0: All right. And just like that, we are back again with another episode of the Mind the Growth Podcast. As always, I'm Chris Kinghorn. And I'm Eric Hoffman. Eric, we got a special guest today. We've got Nicholas DeRegis on the line Sweet. here. Nick, what's, up, what's up, what's
1: up? We're Nicky.
2: Good
3: question. Good question. So now I just go by Nicholas as much as I can because it's a little more memorable. Okay. You know, Nick's, yeah. Nick's pretty just out there. For the so. ladies, right? Yeah, for the ladies. It can be it can be in business. It can be kind of whatever. You know, It is what you want to make of it, right? Um, but, uh, no, I, uh, so go by Nick, some people call me Doughboy, some people call me D-boy, I don't know all this different stuff, <laughs> but, well, uh, there's gotta be no, yeah, no, it's all from childhood stuff, but, um, no, he, he was a lot of, mad, I, I so. remember a few of those, we had, yeah. we had all the, uh, the, the nicknames in baseball and whatnot oh, yeah. on the hats and jerseys yeah. oh, and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, see? Yeah. You're right it was out. Oh, yeah, we had Slider <laughs> in there, she, yeah. what was your yeah. name? Uh, Topher. Topher, dude. Topher. Okay, okay, yep. yeah. Dude, no, it's fun, we, we had a lot of nicknames and, uh, so I'll go by whatever. Uh-huh. Whatever you want to call me, man. <laughs>
1: Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with All Nicholas. Right. Okay. That's, thank you. That is memorable.
0: All right, Doughboy, tell us
3: a little bit about yourself. <laughs> oh man. Um, no, I think, uh, I guess who am I? I, I, I'm really just like, uh, I'm a, I'm a former athlete that, uh, tried to take as much as he could learn on the field and the court or, you know, in the locker room, whatever you want to say in the weight room and, uh, take it and apply same principles of business and, um, just kind of my, my life as much as possible. And so, That's, uh, that's what I do. I think, um, it's been, it's been a good ride so far and, uh, that's kind of, that's as much as I think I can explain. I, I, uh, I think my clarity says, um, I don't know, it says something like, um, I thrive at putting resources and people together, um, in, uh, collaborative environments with momentum to, to help everyone succeed um, and make a win-win for everyone. So I guess that's really who I am. So
1: there's a lot of directions to go with that. First,
3: what sports did you play growing up? Great question. So, Played a little baseball with Chris, a little football. I wasn't good enough. I had to stop at some point. So he
0: continued on. He continued <laughs> no, to progress athletically. Dofer struck out a few did, times. Topher was on the bench yeah. pretty frequently. Oh, cool,
3: man. man. <laughs> no, that's good. I, um, no, shoot. I played baseball and football up through through high school and, and a little basketball. Got cut at least, I think, at one point. Um, but no, I had, a, I had a good experience with sports and then played baseball up through college and, um, yeah. And then had, uh, had to exit and had to transition into the real world and try to find a new identity and you know how that can go. So now a great experience all around.
1: Uh, did you play here locally?
3: Yeah, I played here. I went to chaparral and, um, and high school and then ended up going to Texas state playing okay. for, for a semester and then back to a junior college here at um, Chandler Gilbert, and then went to University of Rhode Island, finished up out there.
1: Nice. All around. So, in my experience, I did not play sports like that growing up. I ran cross-country and track because I was too short to make the basketball team. I I ran, for track, I ran the mile and the two mile. Okay. Cross-country, I ran the 5K, which is what you do. 3-2? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I wasn't very good. So let's get the record straight. <laughs> this is what I'll say running.
3: I don't care who you are. Like, uh, yeah. dude, that's when you're just out there. You're you're with your thoughts. You're with no <laughs> one else. You know, back when we were growing up, like, how much do we have music when we were running? It's like you're you're grinding. Yeah, And um, it wasn't
1: easy. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah, so, dude. but the point is, in the people I know who excelled in team sports, they they tend to do better in business environments because a lot of the things that you learn in team sports can replicate and go into yeah. business with yeah. a collaborative environment, like you were talking about. So going from college baseball to, you know, working in the real world, yeah. how, how did that transition go? What was your first foray into it?
3: Yeah, good question. I think, um, there was plenty of things that took away, you know, I think, you know, pre- preparation is huge, mm-hmm. right? I think, you know, the ability to, to, intangible items i guess you know hard work discipline teamwork that the broad
1: practice 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 practice, practice <laughs> you know <laughs>
3: what is it uh, repetition is the uh mother and fa- uh mother and father of yeah, what is it uh repetition is the mother and father of mastery and so you know it's like shoot you know I, I, that's one thing you learn and i think you learn just preparation as much as possible whether it's you know I don't know any sport like film is huge you know but how can you watch film Okay, can you listen to your own phone calls? Can you listen to yourself in your own meetings? Like what you know that's yeah. like not everyone's really willing to do that or even you know that's necessarily a thing with some organizations. But oh man, it's so important. And so um, team management, I think one thing that I really took away is the ability to communicate and talk. And one thing I had to learn in business that I didn't necessarily learn in sports because you really speak to just a couple different people, right? In in your in your sports. So. That's one thing I think I, I took away from that I had to learn in the real world I guess that that would set aside for me learning in, in the fielder or in, in sports sure
1: that makes perfect sense and what was your first position in work Good questions. Or, yeah, because Chris me, can take yeah, it. Take it, kind it of yeah, roll into this. We, yeah, we could always freaking yeah. go. Out here, <laughs> <laughs> no, because
0: you've, you've been part of some pretty quickly growing brands. So yeah. can you give us a little bit of context on your involvement and maybe some of your biggest takeaways that have put you in the position that you're in now?
3: Yeah, cool. You know, I, I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate. I think I was around, just like sports, very high-level mentors or coaches in, in any environment that I've been in. I'm very grateful for it, whether, you know, being in Scottsdale, you have great, you know, ex-athletes or athletic trainers, coaches, et cetera, and then in the workforce or, you know, when it comes to business, entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call it, I definitely, I think I've been around people that are young and relatable and also have great guidance from their mentors. And so I've been very blessed to be around great people. Now, I think, you know, one thing that I've learned is just that you have to be able to adapt and I've been able to just go into different organizations like, uh, you know, Anthony, our good buddy, I think, you know, you know, pretty well. You know, he we were we're marketers and we were marketers and he had a marketing agency and then we went into the affiliate world and um, you know we did a lot in that and and it was just you know I'm just kind of doing whatever we needed to do. He had a family business, very small, which I think you guys are involved with family business as well. And so at that point, it's like, hey, you know, whatever we got to do, we got to do. So I got to see a lot of marketing side of things. I got to see a lot of sales and marketing I'm from different positions. I started in a corporation called Northwestern Mutual. It's a mutual, big billion mutual dollar company. So I'm. I'm blessed that I got to experience that right out of college to go back and answer your question yeah, is I got, I was like, you know, financial representative. And so I got to experience that. And then from that, I got to go right into the startup world where, you know, you're an agency, you're trying to figure it all out. And, um, it was, uh, it's, it's, it was a great experience. So I don't know if the answer your question, but, um, yeah, I think, um, my experience in those was whatever it needed to be at the time. And so I think that would probably, you got to hire someone. You got to be the re, human resources. You got to be human resources. You got to put together SOPs for processes, even though I didn't even know what those were at the time. You got to do that. Right. So it's just like, whatever, what you got to sell the business. You got to make introductions. Well, well oh, oh, you know, so it's just, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that I got to kind of learn so many different positions inside of companies because it was um, in such a
2: incubation um, adolescent stage. stage. Yeah. yeah.
1: Small business. Great. So Tell us your experience with Northwestern Mutual because I I interned oh, there too, man. and there's did you a lot of, there? oh, we a lot go of on things. this for a while,
3: I think.
0: Eric still has a life policy from his yeah. first job that he's oh, trying to too. get rid of
3: too. It's a requirement. <laughs> I got a cash value life insurance policy. I tell you what, I'm so glad I'll pay that 228 every month. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we'll see. But I my experience. So I was an intern. Yep. And uh, I did the post grad internship. Very blessed. Met two mentors. I still talk to both of them actually. And so you know. That was a big transitional period in my life because I was exiting sports. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, how can you find yourself inside of Northwestern Mutual, inside an organization that you really have your own little company, yeah. right? Inside, and you're getting the guidance, as you know. And so, it's like, that's a lot of pressure coming, trying to find my identity. Now, interesting about that, I actually convinced myself that that was what my purpose was because. I know I needed to do that in order to go do what I had to do to succeed in that position, which was probably the biggest takeaway that I can, you know, I was actually willing and able, even though you don't feel like, like, am I supposed to be doing this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you got to Or you know. So that was a huge takeaway for me. Now <laughs> I left and, um, ended up going and doing this, you know, a startup world. And we had a marketing agency and I actually went back and talked to the, the managing partner. And, uh, and I said, Hey, look, there's a big opportunity out there. I wish I would have known when I was a rep and when I was working, obviously i would care about, you know, our people that I was work with my mentors. You know, I think there's a huge opportunity in this digital marketing space that, that we can, you guys can attack. And, you know, he said, you're chasing a genie and sharing bikini. And, um, <laughs> and I said, all right, deuces, you know? So I, um no, I, I think that was my kind of experience there. I learned so much about sales, about marketing. You know, I think, why another reason why i left and i want to hear a little excited but i felt that when people thought i was being nice to them mm-hmm. because i wanted their business that's when i said mm, th- i don't think this is for me you know what i'm saying it's like yeah disingenuine to get the sale done yeah and it's like no no, no, sense. no i'm not i'm just like that's the way i am like i talk to everyone you know if i'm going up to some at the gym or i'm going up and seeing someone you know It's like, okay, you know, it's not because I want your business. It's because I'm just, and when I can kind of get a, you know, a sense of that, I was like,
1: yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And for my experience in particular, I, at the time, I think like most people coming out of college was motivated by money. And it seemed like the big, big ticket, uh, entry into the real world. But, um, in particular, I I thought what I took away from it most was being comfortable with discomfort, reaching out to friends and family, trying to you know sell them <laughs> a life insurance policy. Which sphere of influence? Yeah, yeah. COI of is a shit. I still use yeah. that term. Yeah. And it is uncomfortable. It does feel like you're disingenuous and selling something maybe you don't fully understand or you're not fully behind. And I I also took that as a sign that it's not. It's not for everybody, you know, not everybody needs a whole life insurance policy. For sure. And that's really what they try to hammer into you. Rightfully so. It's a business that makes money on selling whole life insurance policies. So I understand the mechanisms.
3: Totally. And you know, I as a business, you know, as you grow older, you understand exactly what they're doing. Yeah. You said the COIs are everything. That's a huge part of their business. You know, I think and I think they know that or a lot of these companies, you know, the whole, the whole process inside of recruiting, getting the right people Mm -hmm. is, is where the challenge lies now. I think that whole process too can, can be improved. Um, just because you got to have someone, you know, it's okay. How can we get people in, but also set the expectations of what they're getting into. Sure. It's a hard balance to find in, in that role. Totally. Right. And so it's like, I have, I have dudes that are family friends of mine that'll hit me up and say, Hey, I'm you know, interviewing with Northwestern Mutual, let me know your thoughts. And I give my thoughts and I'm so grateful that I did it. And I, it's such a great opportunity. Like you talk about sales, like setting meetings. Cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still coach sales and do sales. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I was exposed at an age where I'm very lucky, especially because I didn't get exposed to that type of stuff till after sports. So when yeah. everyone else was, you know, in internships and doing what they had to do in the workforce, you know, or you know, entrepreneurship or whatever it may be in college, I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm, I'm grinding, trying to, trying to make it in sports. And so I was glad that I just got shoved into this fricking beast of an industry that was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to talk to people about money. Like, that's kind of crazy. Like, what is all this? I didn't even know what a gosh darn loan was. You know what I'm saying? It was like, uh, so. anyway.
1: Yeah. And we, we interviewed uh, a friend, Ryan McNeely, which you may know. Yeah. And uh, what did he say about it? No, not about Northwestern Mutual, oh, but I, the act. He was a client of mine. Who knows? Really. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I think it all relates, meaning he got his start doing door to door sales. And a lot of people I know that were much younger, they worked for like Cutco, the knife company, going door to door and selling I knives. That, yeah. And like those types of early entries into the business world and sales in particular, I think are hugely important for young people because it really shows you the how to be dedicated to something and how to be uncomfortable talking to somebody about uh, something and that can be applied to
3: literally anything in business anything i took and ryan shoot i was i was his roommate at the time when he went and 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 did that and i was like i'm 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 going out and i'm going door to door yeah it's freaking or it might have been one summer after Mm -hmm. but yeah man i mean just what an experience even you know that's that, yeah, I mean, go knock 60 doors a day, 100 doors a day, yeah. right? Cool. Sure, do you want to get told no? All right. Well, you're going to be able to relate to people. Exactly. you be able to know what tone is. You're going to know. I mean, dude, come on. And it it's, goes
1: back to the sports. You practice, 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 and you get... Failure. Yeah, failure. iterate. That's, you get better.
3: Baseball players, I'm like, dude, like, you're going three for 10? You're a stud. Yeah. I was like, you make phone calls, you want to set meetings, whatever you want to do. You want to have meetings to pitch your business? Okay, it might take you know, ten times we get three yeses, one yes. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not even a yes. So I'm just like, roll all the guys that have failed. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the kind of an interesting exercise that
0: we that we did when we were first starting our company is we were trying to position it to raise money based on conversion rate. Um right. So we had the product, so we kind of looked back into it. It was very right. straightforward right. with the math. You know, if you've got a list of 100 people, 100 calls right. that you make. How many of those can you actually convert? Yeah, and then if you scale that yeah. to, 100, to, to one hundred to one thousand to ten thousand, et cetera, you can kind of back into your expectation for your growth and your revenue stream, et cetera. So it was—it's always interesting to see in different industries how many calls you have to make or how many yeah. doors you have to it. knock on in order to get a an yes.
3: And and you know, I, like the more that I see it, it's like it really is sign. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of like less of like skill, you know. And I heard someone talk about it the other day, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's really when you do it that much numbers no, it's, it's metrics. Backwards. Yeah, and exactly. metrics and numbers don't really lie <laughs> no. unless someone's messing messing He's, them up. Right. Um, which hey, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, so
0: yeah. I mean somebody's playing around in Salesforce, changes yeah, the stuff so, around. Oh, geez, Louise, yeah, yeah. That wasn't inbound, that was actually outbound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The finagling of the systems, oh gosh. Yeah. All right. So that kind of puts us in a good spot to talk about your newest venture. Um, what are you working on? What are you doing?
3: Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, that's kind of loop everything. Actually, that was good timing. I think, um, you know, with, with Northwestern Mutual I had experience with sales. Then I went into, you know, the marketing, um, side of things that really gave me an opportunity to see a lot of the front end stuff, you know? And so, um, now what I'm doing is, you know, and, in, in in within that it was okay. After, you know, post-purchase, you know, what does that look like after, you know, the top of the funnel? So now I'm, I'm involved with the customer experience space because of my experience kind of with, starting with Northwestern going to marketing and then, really going to my experience with um, Snow Cosmetics and, and even before that with the affiliate company is, okay, once someone buys, what happens? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so um, we got to start experiencing the middle of the funnel, just post-purchase, and then also all the way at the back end of the funnel. And so, okay, we understand, you know, what the creative needs going into, what needs to be in front of the customer. Okay, cool. And why they bought. Okay, cool. And then how do we get them to continue to buy? And so really with the ex- Full circle, and now, you know, I would say in the D2C space, our goal is to be, you know, through customer, you know, really a, a front, a front runner inside of, um, you know, the expertise from D2C customer experience as much as possible, and um, I think we have an opportunity to do it, just because there's high acquisition costs right now going on with, with, with e-commerce and and it's competitive market, and there's just a lot. Trending there so that's where a lot of my time is being spent Um, just trying to make sure that we're there for for brands and inside the C space and online retailing and um, full circle it kind of just landed in my lap it wasn't like I, I did anything you know it was just what do you know where's the opportunity and, and here you go so it's cool I'm excited about it you know I think um, I think it's been fun um, and uh, yeah I'm just excited to see where it goes it's called the
1: e-customer did you say? e-customer yeah okay
3: so we basically we help uh, yeah I think what do we say we we help uh we help brands build uh, unbreakable bonds with customers that last a lifetime.
1: So is it just you or did you start this with
3: Yeah it is it is just me. Yeah, I I kind of um i I utilize some people in the space um as much as possible and you know it's a, it's a service based business, it's more of like an agency or a con- consultant um agency right now. And you know it's 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 fun, it's cool. Um where it's going to go, I'm not really sure. I'm excited to see this next, you know, quarter four to quarter one is going to be exciting for us just kind of moving forward. And, and and for me to see, you know, what we can do now with multiple DTC brands instead of, you know, just one or a couple, you know, I think we have a good opportunity to kind of use a lot of our strategies and things that we've learned. We have a very offensive approach to, to you know, the back end of customer experience, which is more innovative in the space. You know, I'm a big believer in like touch points or everything. How much can you talk to your customers? where? a lot of people are afraid to talk to customers so um it's uh it's exciting you know and i think the opportunity is there to um to do some cool things and so i'm just excited to see where it goes and products are just the product space right now is big you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying um and a lot of people are getting involved so
1: so if sorry um, just to see if i understand correctly Mm -hmm. so is your niche essentially to help brands Recapture existing cu- customers, meaning re- uh, great, great re- question. So
3: yeah, and this is where it's kind of you know a lot of the guidance we've gotten is how can we how can we niche down and, and kind of make this specific because it's very hard. Yeah, um, because there is so much of all product and customers. Mm-hmm. It's like that's that's a whole monster in itself. And so you know where where we kind of lie is we're we're helping facilitate everything. And and what I mean by that is is how can we automate the customer experience and the customer journey right so we don't need people well you you need people at some point okay so then when we do implement people okay what does that look like what's that structure and so really e-customers kind of our, our our focus is how can you build your winning formula based off of automation and people and that's going to look different maybe for everyone and so i hope that makes sense really we're helping structure you know the 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 back end of a of a customer because we understand the front end of what it takes to get the customer. And I'm a big believer in like automation tells people what they need. People are able to tell them why they need it. Yeah. If that makes sense. So um does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um so are you are you using other like third party software products to implement into, let's say, a brand's yes. Full stack, like a cloud tech stack, or, yeah. yeah
3: dude you nailed it right yeah. there so i've you know we're putting together a customer playbook and we have a deck and it has a tech stack in it mm-hmm. and um so yeah you, you nailed it it's you know i partner with some of the cx platforms the customer experience platforms rich panel there's um, gorgeous that I'm, I'm close with and those two really do a good job helping us understand what we need to do or what i need to do or what i can even provide to the brand um really you can't do much about metrics or numbers um so it's uh uh, you know it's it's been good even finding out our our target customer, right? like the pe- the people side of things is is very interesting too, especially outsourcing VPOs, you know call centers like that's that involvement started back in the marketing space um when we were sending calls and we needed to listen to calls. we needed to take the calls. we needed to do what we had to do on the phones. and so um that's where a lot of kind of the experience goes full circle and um yeah, I'm grateful to be kind of a, an opportunity where i can I can be guidance um in the space. So the, so is the value proposition
0: here as a, as a consumer, I have different options and it's both of those companies have figured out how to sell to me, why they're getting certain products in front of me, but we're worried about post that is the value proposition. You know, this customer experience has been significantly better with, you know, company one over company two. From now on, I'm gonna make sure I continue to go back to company one, just from a dumbed down version. That, oh yeah. Am I, am I, cool. Okay. Cool.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Um. So sure, sure, sure. I think I think more of it. Um. We can think of even more systems and processes. Like, why did we choose this platform to use? What does that look like? How much of the automation are we using? Right? How many How many agents or reps do we need? Do we need to go in house or do we need to go out house? Um, what makes sense to the business? Right. So a lot of that, and then SOPs, workflows. Cool. What are our, What are our agents doing? What are our representatives doing? Um, things like that, direct engagements, you know, what are they saying on the phones? Um, how are we handling threats, right? So, okay, chargebacks, social threats, those are huge. So how do you handle all those holistically as a business? And, you know, you go back to the customer journey, you know, I look at a lot of it like a defensive and offensive approach, offensive sales and marketing, how can we get the customers? Defensive is how can we keep the customers? Um, Going back to sports, so, you know, that's why I talk about the winning formula. Okay, what does your offense look like and what does your defense look like and can you put it together for, for your winning formula. Um, And so, you know, we have case studies that, that have, you know, we've, we've gotten to a couple cool groups. And um, so that's, that's really where, where we lie is just trying to provide as, as much insight on holistic customer experience as possible because we've, we've been in Like you said, you know, I was, I was with a company called Snow Cosmetics, you know, my buddy, Josh, who um, hopefully comes on this podcast. I can, you know, give him, he's, he's really smart. Yeah. Um, Josh, where you at? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Josh, yeah, you know, it just his, his brain just thinks different. And so, you know, we got early exposure into a lot of what we were doing um, with Snow because of the marketing affiliate world. So then it was like, okay, so what we did is really we were calling back customers that didn't convert. We said, hold on, you know, can we do this with abandoned carts, people that just leave their cart? And so when we started calling customers back. Oh God, people actually want to be talked to by the brands. So then we got to experience just a lot of different ways like to do outreach on top of what we were originally doing. And so um, we had a very di- innovative approach that is kind of now all tying together because of cost, cost per acquisitions going up. You know, the CAC is people are kind of really worried about it, which obviously is always going to go up. Platforms are getting more competitive, whatever it may be. People are scared. Tracking issues, iOS, all this different stuff. So. People it's, are spending less money too.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: we, we happen to be in a, a bit of a recession. Yeah. I you know, know if you noticed. So <laughs> it's, you know,
3: um, but if you, if you get their emotions, they'll buy, um, you know, so it's just uh, one thing I'll say, cause you guys will probably love to talk about recession as a quick story. I like to tell about, you know, Snow and, and Josh specifically is, you know, when the recession hit, he brought in this article from Kellogg's um, 1920s and, and, you know, he said, um, this was probably this is before it all went down. I think we were still in the office trying to, you know, figure out what's going on, man. I think there's like eight of us in the room. I think just the management team. And he comes in and he says, Hey, I know there's a lot going on. He says, this is an article. I want us to read it right now. You know, Kellogg's everyone pulled out back in the 1920s and Kellogg said, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to actually push further and we're going to push harder. And he said, that's what we're going to do. And so I'm like, what's this guy talking about? Um, and that's what we did. And so, you know, I think we kind of were talking about earlier too is how can you take advantage of, you know, those winters it's so important. And so that's where really, I think a lot of these D to C brands is, is, is going to be at and, you know, own data is everything. Um, and so if you can, if you can, you know, take advantage of the current data that you've attracted, um, especially in the holidays as much as possible and, um, just try to be different and stand out. Um, you know, it's, it's a goal, but, uh, I don't know. It's uh, we'll see what happens. I thought that was a cool story. Yeah. No. he's the
0: youngest vice chair of Collier's international history. He's 29 years old. Absolutely. Fucking All right. Okay. So we're talking about recession. We're talking about the potential of brands to start struggling. And it sounds like you guys have what you refer to as the winning formula, winning process, winning formula, the, the game plan. So is there a strategic play here if you understand what to put in front of customers why they're why they're buying what they're buying the process of maintaining those customers making sure they feel appreciated you know calling them back when their cart's empty or they didn't make the transaction or why didn't why didn't you do the two for you know, the four for two deal whatever it might be you have all that psychology and all that process in play now you find struggling brands here in the next month two months three months i look at it almost like a quasi roll-up private equity play if you will a guy named Robbie that we had on here, you know, a few months ago, you know, they were building these brands based on uh, some AI driven uh, processes and data scrapers, et cetera, to build specific to sell specific products. So if you can take struggling brands, acquire them for pennies on the dollar and then, you know, put in the missing pieces that they were missing, is that a potential play?
3: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are, are looking to do that. The the VC and, the you know, private equity individuals groups of people are definitely getting more involved just it's attractive you know the the one thing that's very ironic with with all that is it set a new expectation inside of the industry that COVID's going to be covid forever ain't it yeah so you know um i think a lot of those individuals have had an awakening vcs private equities like you know oh wow you know the numbers from 2020 2021 aren't aren't necessarily aren't necessarily you know true like you know valid and consistent well no like you got to continue to scale and grow so i i think that it is you're right and you know going back to i think own data is everything so the brands that do have customers the brands that do have you know first party a strong base there's loyalty inside of that who 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 can buy for life right you know the kryptonite the, the kryptonite to to cost per acquisition continue to go up and cac rising is ultimately a lifetime value right so like that's like one oh one oh one right so it's like Okay, cool. Well, how can we get customers to buy forever? So, I think so. Yes, that is definitely in a play. There's actually a guy that I've been meaning to get in touch with that um, is very involved with with that. And so we'll see what happens. You know, I think Josh and some of these other guys that I know definitely have 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 you know preferred to start in the teenager stage where there are some customers, there are processes and systems set up, and how can we come and implement and kind of go up from there as opposed to starting in the, you know, incubate stage or the, you know, the adolescent stage. So I think you're right on.
1: So with what you're seeing and what you've experienced so far, because everyone talks about how the CAC with Facebook has gone up exponentially. Of course. TikTok's the new, the new kid in town. And it's a lot cheaper to acquire a customer via TikTok. As far as I know, I'm not in the, yeah, D 2 C. You're not a talker. Space. Yeah, I'm no. Not a talker. It seems like you know what's going on though. That's good. But from You're your not a experience, talker. yeah, uh, uh, you can, I want to see you a little. Bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think we got it. maybe one day. Maybe one day, uh, if we get enough comments, I will talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Talk. He's um, talking UGC style. Exactly. So, what have, what are you seeing in terms of trends? Is the main question, and how are you addressing that with You know, some brands. Yeah. You know,
3: I think, um, I think everyone's kind of just trying to figure it all out, especially, you know, tracking has been a huge issue with it. It's like kind of a double whammy, you know, and so you got to try different stuff ultimately. And you got to try different creative and different platforms, see what's working and, and and really just go from there. I think some of my close media buyer friends would be able to answer specifics a lot better than myself. And that's why I'm very grateful that I have a lot of them around. Um, shout out to all you guys. But, um, you know, I, um, I, I just, it's it's a tough world and so like you said you know if you are acquiring data how can you squeeze the most lemon out of that data yeah. possible right. and the ones that you are able to squeeze fruitful juice out of how can you get them to remain fruitful forever yeah that's like i think the name of the game
1: and you mentioned ugc so there's a lot of times user generated content for those who don't know
3: when you're just shooting like this exactly
1: yeah so that it's really from what i've seen it's either you you go that route and hire professional ugc uh people yeah or you go the influencer route which is nearly the same thing but it's kind of a different process so how have you in your past experience worked with either or both and what what do you prefer
3: yeah good question i think it all really all all goes into everything i was with pretty smart uh, creative director here for a company called uh Audio and hearing um, Alex, a good, good, good dude. And, um, you know, it's he was just saying you got to test everything. I was with another one of my good buddies. He's one of the biggest media buyers I know in the UK, Sam Collier. And he, you know, he said, you know, you got to you got to just you got to test stuff. You got to run stuff. And so you don't know what you don't know. Um, sometimes you don't think anything's going to convert. It goes crazy. Sometimes, you know, you think something's going to, you know, convert and it just doesn't. Right. And so, one thing that I understand is you got to, you got to test everything. You got to try different stuff. Um, copies, so gosh, aren't important, you know? And the one thing that I understand about, about creators and you said influencers, I think creators are becoming so valuable to companies. And so, if you can get a creator that's a good fit, you know, JT Barnett's a huge believer in it. A lot of these TikTok, TikTok guys are, or, or, or girls that, that really believe in, in what TikToks bring is, you know, is the creators have ability to mold with brands that can, come you know jt said uh, a flow for progressive brands are going to start having a flow you know for for where there's different faces i know that you know snow um hires you know an in-house creative team right so now they're they're really trying to bring everything in house how can you mold these creators to really represent your brand as 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 strong as possible and um and i think that's exciting for everyone i think that's exciting for brands i think that's exciting for creators um overall so i think i hope that answers your question i think that's where it's going gotcha so, what
0: type of companies are you? What's an ideal company for yours to work with? It. What's the most ideal type of client?
3: Yeah, good question. You know, I, I love I love companies that have a strong base, right? So they have you know a, a loyal following of some kind, and their products tied with emotion, and they push heavy trap and and they're aggressive in their marketing, and they want to continue to acquire customers, um, because that's fun, and you know, and and I like you know, more of, more of the teenager stage, I would say five to 50 million a year is the sweet spot. That's when you can really take advantage of that, you know, that winning formula that really like, okay, where's our defense, where's our offense, how can we mold them together and let's see what we do. So I would say that, you know, I, I I like, like I said, just, you know, companies that are making an impact. And that's why I say emotion a lot of the time is because, you know, that you're, you're, you're able to, you know, cosmetics is a big thing, you know, and that's a little, very emotional driven or some of the nutritional companies you got to be careful with, I think, but um, yeah. you, you know what I mean? But it, it's, it's, it's fun to just work with people that want to, I think brands that are, are trying to improve their customers life. um, And so that's what I try to try to do as much as possible. Just those type of companies.
1: Gotcha. So it, it sounds like at that stage, five to 50 million, that's the point of like major scaling opportunities where you're getting to a critical mass you have like you said a loyal following to a degree and now you need different tools in place to be able to take it to the for sure hundred million plus
3: for sure and you know I think it comes down to people that you need people you can have you can have a d2c brand that has 10 people that does you know 10 million for sure I mean there's ways to do that but you know like we talk about the more that people are not selling products online as much and building brands. And I think that's where a lot of these people that have always just sold products um, are going to be facing a little bit of, you know, a shift. Oh no. You know what I mean? So that's why I think it's a sweet spot is because you can, and you have the resources to, to go after things. You know, if you got to use technology, if you got to make things happen, you know, I'm we're big believers in, you know, a fire ready mentality is you got to be able to adapt and run after stuff and, 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 you know, use the resources, not have the resources resources but you know be resourceful and make sure that you know you're you're using them and they're sharp as possible if you can and so um that's where that's why i like those companies gotcha yeah no, that makes sense okay so shifting away from
0: you got any other questions no you? Go okay. for it. so you do a lot of things in life it seems like you've been a very busy guy but one of the things that i think i've seen for quite some time and a lot of people you know that know you or follow you've seen as well um you're you're very involved with 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 kids, teenagers, giving back through a variety of different channels. And, you know, a lot of us, I feel like wait till, you know, later in life to start doing that or giving back, but it's cool to see you do it as at, you know, at a younger age, what was the, what was the driver, you know, what, when you said, Hey, you know, I really need to, to make this happen and make this work.
3: Yeah. Good question. Um, that's a great question. I, Dude, I, I don't really know, to be honest. I think it's something that I've just been blessed with in a way. Um, I It's always been a calling of mine, I guess you can say, and that sounds cliche as ever, but I just, you know, for me, it's like, I'm grateful for the people that have been able to give back towards me. And without a lot of my mentors, I mean, you really don't know much, right? It's, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so um, I think it's, you know, my duty to help give back as much as possible. And it's just, it's been a fit, you know, I, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for the mentors and, you know, I would like, I would like someone to come in and kind of help me get from point A to you know, avoid the bumps in the roads on the way. Well, why not? Right. So that's um, kind of like where you guys started this podcast, yeah. I feel like. Right. Um, so uh, that's, that's, that's ultimately where I'm at. And uh, yeah, it's been, I'm just, I learned just as much from doing the mentorship as they do for me. So you know it's it's a uh, it's a great it's a great time.
1: I I have a a coined phrase that I like yeah. to use, selfishly selfless. <laughs> okay. I I personally, personally believe there's no true selfless act because you get you get something out of everything you do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if I want to help somebody, it's because it makes me feel good, and it in turn causes benefits in the world so selfishly self oh, selflessly selfish. Selfless. yeah you can use selfish that. no i like that <laughs> dude i think i will use that
3: well you know one of my mentors had said you know to me um he's uh gosh he's he's just such a he's such a good dude he's uh He's with the Dodgers right now. He's a hitting guru. He's, like, almost responsible for really the, the swing path, which is kind of the new swing that's happening inside of baseball. A lot of people coin it as the launch angle stuff, but it's really just the ability to match the plane of the baseball as it comes in as early as possible and stay through it as long as possible, right? That's, like, if you give yourself the best opportunity to hitting the baseball. It's great. Um, so, you that know. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It's just a lot of people complicate it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he had said to me at one point, um, you know, he's 72, um, he he was almost an underdog in the space for a long time. He's He he just he was never in the big league, so um, it was, took a long time for him to kind of get out there and, and and make the impact that he did. But he told me, look, you know, he's written books and uh, he's just such a good dude. And um, he said, it's almost like you have a trust, and uh, ultimately, you know, when 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 you as you grow knowledge and you have wisdom, it's it's your it's your job to kind of spread the wisdom out. And in turn, and, and in turn, they can take what they want from the knowledge, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's up to them. And so he just said, you know, as his, he believes that it's kind of like a trust, and uh, it's his duty and our duty to give it back. I, I really, I really liked that a lot. Me
1: too. That's good. So, uh, before we get to the last question, which Chris will eloquently get into, um, can you tell the listeners about any other hobbies or things you like to do outside of? work and mentorship
3: um good question I really don't do much to be honest besides that um I have a girlfriend hang out with her a good amount hang out with some friends good. but um yeah yeah but you know I uh I, I just yeah I work and I'm involved with sports and student athletes and um my I guess my time outside is watching sports um but you know it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't always watch the games um for like what they are. I always want close games and I want those games so I can kind of see how the guys react, how they respond to specific situations, right? I want I want the 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 environment that's gonna push these guys to really see what they got deep down. Um so I think I watch sports in a different way and not many people even understand that. You know, I don't bet, I don't play video games, I don't do much um besides really work on, you know, my ventures and hang out with my the people that I like. So yeah, I guess I uh yeah. So
1: that's, life well lived. Thank you, you man. Thank
0: you, man. He's dedicated to the game. I like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> the game. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right. So the name of the podcast is Mind the Growth. So at the end of every podcast, we have to ask somebody one of the uh, the most important questions that we have been able to come up with is what does the word growth mean to you?
3: Yeah, no, it's good, and uh, I I do like uh, the way that you guys explain it a lot, and I you know a couple of things you said. It's like um, oh, I don't I forgot the exact way you phrased it, but you're just, you're trying to get people that, you know, may be able to share some, some wisdom to us. And, and then I think you followed it up and you said, like, you know, we're not always going to, well, you said grow in multiple aspects of your life. And then I think you said grow. And then you said, you No, know, if I'm not specifically great in one area, hopefully someone can come fill that. And I, I really liked that a lot about, about what you guys said about the growth. And so um, I, you know, the one thing that I thought of, um, and what I think about growth is, you know, there's a ton of different definitions or whatever you may be, but I like the metaphor of a snake and, you know, shedding your, shedding your skin to get to the new. And, um, and so, you know, that can be in different facets of your life, like you guys talk about, but I just think that, uh, the metaphor of, you know, being able to, you know, grow into something new, um, and really shed the old, I think it's really powerful. Um, and so that's kind of what I think about when I hear grow is you know, how can you continue to use your experience and, and, and what life brings to grow and step into a, a better version of you?
1: A metaphor as unique as the name Nicholas. No, that's right. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's a, I'm
0: that's terrified of snakes, but uh, I, 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 lo- I <laughs> love the response, but I'm terrified of snakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Same. <laughs> yeah. Same.
3: No joke. And so which is really funny, you know, I think talked about uncomfort a couple of times. And so I'll just uh, wrap this up. I know we're, we're wrapping this up, but I'm, um, you know, I I feel like the the discomfort and, and, and the uncomfort, uh, uncomfortability aspect of that, it's like, I, oh, what did you just say? I, I just lost my train of thought. Man, the snakes are scary. Oh, snakes are scary. <laughs> Jeez sure. Jeez, snakes. least. I'm, snakes, I'm, I'm fine. playing. Yeah, no, see, I wanted to, my, my mind wanted to like, get yeah, out get of this, get out of this. You know, we're not supposed to talk about weaknesses, man, yeah. but no. But I'm like, dude, I feel like these things are coming up in my life. Like, even certain types of music where, like, I'm doing breath work or, like, I'm scared of these different things, but they're where I used to be really scared of, like, dark or, like, I'm a terrible swimmer, but I'm, like, I have, like, face. Like, I'm, like, finding these things, like you said, uncomfortability. And it's, like, things I used to be so scared of when I was younger or things that gave myself a bad connotation or, you know, reminded me or, like, I had a negative story written about that specific thing. For some reason, it's turning into, like, a good story. Yeah. Um, so I just... Typically yeah. does.
1: <laughs> Your mind makes it a lot a lot more scary than it winds up being. And when you get past it, sometimes it's even enjoyable.
0: The, but literally, <laughs> it's like the cold plunge. If
3: you do it
1: enough, yeah.
0: suddenly you like it. Yeah.
3: Dude, that's, the cold <laughs> plunge. I was thing about the cold plunge. One thing I heard was, uh, you know, I think it was Tony Rollins, but he said, like, I don't negotiate with myself. Um, and I really... And he used the metaphor of the cold plunge. It's like, it's going to be cold no matter what. So it's like, okay... If you feel like you're got to go in, just go in now before you think about it again. Like you said, you just gotta gosh and do it. And um and I just yeah, I was like, Don't negotiate with yourself. You're ready in that action, you gotta go now. So,
0: I like it. I like it. Well, maybe one day we can uh, cold punch, boys. Yeah. I <laughs> love that. Absolutely. Next that episode is. in the Yeah, next e- <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Exactly.
1: Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man, really I appreciate, appreciate you guys
3: having me. I wish uh I wish we would have got a little bit more about you guys, but I know this is your podcast. So. Next time all right <laughs> we're boring man we don't, yeah, know. We don't, no, we don't have no, much no, to talk just, about no you guys got.
1: where we want to learn more about the No, I, I appreciate here. you guys for absolutely real. man thanks, uh,
3: thanks for having me appreciate cheers. it yeah cheers thanks y'all